The lift is created and shared for free, but there are hard costs associated with its production. To lend your support to the show, please visit support.victoriaslift.com. Supporters of the show get new episodes a few days early, and at $5 a month, you'll get access to behind-the-scenes artwork and bonus audio. Support the show you love at support.victoriaslift.com. Do you like me and my lift? Please tell me by writing a short review of the show in iTunes and leaving me some gold stars. It helps others to find their way here too. I like gold stars. Can I have lots? Pretty please? Leave me stars and reviews at itunes.victoriaslift.com Hi, this is Aaron Vleck. I'm the writer for today's episode of The Lift, The Wet Man. If you enjoy the story, you can see more of my work over at The Wicked Library, episode 622. Pop over and see what's up with dear Cousin Gavin. You can also find more amazing episodes of The Lift at victoriaslift.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Do you hear me? I am Victoria. I am Victoria. Once upon a time, there was a place that became lost. Became lost. It is a place where story and substance combine. Do you hear me? Where the reality of story shapes thoughts. Where fantasy becomes tangible. This is that place. Those who find themselves here are here to make a choice. <laughs> the choices you made in the past don't matter. But the choice you make now is the one that will set your fate. <laughs> I don't mind being called the wet man. I mean, hell, that's what I am. A damn good one. Famous from the Big Apple to Boston. All those pussy towns where the guys who hire me wear fag suits and $5,000 shoes and pretend they got no idea what they pay me for. <laughs> I laugh at them right in the mug. And I get away with it, too. Nobody does wet work like old Skip Hudson. Because I got no lines. Other guys who do this kind of work all got their lines. I don't cross that line, they all whine. Which means they don't do broads or kids or kidnap work and they can't clean up after themselves when shit goes south. 
What makes me so good is I'm cool, relaxed, and I just don't care. Sure, there's other guys who do this work, like I say. I call them bargain bitches. Guys who do shit on the cheap. A few bucks maybe to cap some bad lone asshole or a whore who's outlived her looks, break legs, that kind of stuff. Those guys will do inside work too. Sit and play poker all night with a guy, slap him on the back and order a round before dusting him on the way out. But there's always a grudge with guys like that. They're just stupid. Meat for hire. But that's not me. I got an IQ top shot somewhere near Einstein. Even in college, law school before I dropped out, same shit. I got it in the brains department. What can I say? And I take no pleasure in what I do. Pleasure gets in the way of too many wannabe wetmen who think it's the perfect way to make good dough while playing at what they like best. Pleasure is always the downfall of scum like that. Every damn time. To me, <laughs> shit, it's like Nicolas Cage said in that movie a while back. It's just business. I don't care about the talking monkeys. A small-time thug or a crime boss, a broad, a kid, or a damn baby makes no diff. They're all the same. It's all business. I can off a screaming brat and dump it somewhere, then go order a nice steak and buy a round for the house. Real swell guy. That's me. As I was heading for my car, after grabbing a couple of quick ones to help me sleep, I wasn't surprised to find the folded up slip of paper in my coat pocket with my keys. It had to have been that chick in the green dress at the bar. She'd been hitting on me real good. But when I said we should get out of there and go someplace, she laughed and said, We're already someplace. And then she just melted into the dance crowd. Whatever. A lot of chicks do that. Who knows? They come on to a guy, then realize it's the booze talking, and they get cold feet. Whatever. On the slip of paper was an address and a time. But it wasn't the chick's address. It was a business. Along with the address was a job code. Told me what to expect. What to plan for. Good. I made damn fine money. But I was running low. And I didn't want to tap into the fat stash I had socked away for my retirement. I got in the car and looked up the address, then wiped it. 20 minutes later, I parked my car five blocks from the designated rendezvous and hiked in. It was just after midnight. The area was deserted. This used to be a pretty swank part of town back in the day. But now, it was circling the bowl on its last flush towards Skid Row. And it started to rain as I stood in front of the old-style apartment building that had seen its heyday probably in the Roaring Twenties. I had to admit, like a once gorgeous dame who's passed it but refuses to step aside, it was a thing of beauty. And I just stood there a minute, admiring a holdover from a better time. But I was here on business, so I glanced inside and saw no one around. No doorman either. And at first, I thought the place was abandoned. But there were a few lights on. The place still had its shabby carpets and moldy overstuffed sofas and chairs were scattered around the lobby. 
The note said I wanted the second floor. I figured it was a job somebody like Zeke the Freak or Petey What's-His-Fuck had botched up, and I was supposed to relieve them and finish it up, then clean up. Yeah, sure. Zeke or Petey got cold feet because of the nature of the job. On the scrapped paper was the code KF9-2F. No problemo. A kidnapping gone wrong, female age 9, second floor, apartment F. I should get per diem on shit jobs where I had to make good somebody else's mess. Probably wipe their little noses and tell them to run along. Uncle Skippy's got it. I slipped my Maxim 9mm with its nifty little built-in silencer into my coat pocket and made my way to the elevator. It sat open waiting across the lobby. Still not a soul in sight. But in a place like this, I was ready for anything. I stepped into the elevator and had a shock. There was a kid in there. A girl. About nine, maybe. Probably not too different than the one I was here to see. It was kind of weird. The second floor button was lit up, but the rest of the floors had their numbers ripped off, just leaving gaping holes. What floor, sir? The kid asked, pretending to be the elevator operator, I guess. Second, please, I said, staring straight ahead. As soon as the door closed, the car lurched and shimmied, then slowly moved up, the cables giving a screech and grind. That's when the elevator music cut in. But it wasn't like any elevator music I ever heard. It sounded like some music box with a tune that was familiar, but you couldn't quite place. The kind of music box you see in shops around Boston and the seaboard that sell dusty old junk at stupid prices by old dames with maroon hair or little guys with weird glasses and bow ties. The elevator took forever to get to the second floor, and as soon as it stopped, the music cut out, and I was damn glad of it. I hate that. You can't place a tune, but it gives you the creeps anyway. Maybe I'll see you later, sir. The kid chirped. Yeah, probably not, I said to nobody in particular as I made my way down the hall. My keen sense of hearing was on alert, but I couldn't hear a thing. The doors on the first few apartments were jimmied open and just hanging on their hinges, and the only light came from a dim yellow bulb near the elevator and another at the end of the hall. I took the Maxim 9 out of my pocket and held it ready. And then, I walked the corridor with my back to the wall. I was right on time, and 2F lay all the way at the end of the hall. I was in the zone now, my zone, breathing calm and utilitarian, ears alert. I could hear any sound on this floor, if there had been any. I came to 2F, and the door was ajar, not off its hinges, but slightly open. I pushed it open another inch or two. It was pitch dark inside. Petey? Zeke? You guys here? Anybody? Not a sound. And another thing. I couldn't smell anything. Which was weird. I got this crazy sense of smell. I should be able to smell food in here, even if they were holed up in here only a couple days. Pizza, booze, sweat, other stuff. 
That's pretty much the common olfactory palate on these jobs. But I couldn't smell the fear either. Or blood. Nothing. Just a little bit of dust and a lot of dead air. I was losing interest in this job real fast. And my mind started to race over the possibilities. Stepping into the room, I fanned my pistol across the interior in case anything moved. Nothing. Flipping my phone out and turning on the flashlight, I could see the place was empty. Nobody had been here in a long time. That's when that damn music started again, but it wasn't coming from the elevator. It was in the hall right outside the door. I yanked the door open and took aim. If I saw anything, I was going to pulverize it, and if it was somebody I knew, then so fucking be it. But no. The place was dead silent again, and nobody was there. Then I heard it and froze. Laughter. Coming from the end of the hall. One of those rooms I had passed and mistakenly thought was empty. Not possible. I'm not losing my touch. I eased my way back down the hall, and sure enough, two guys were in 2A, talking and laughing and I recognized their voices. It was Zeke and Petey. I edged up to the door to take a listen. Something wasn't right here. Hey, stupid fuck. Petey was blathering in his trademark slobbery cackle. He got no damn clue we're here for his ass, mate. No clue to fucker. Sure, he's so full of himself. Think his shit don't stink, yeah. Man, he never suspected a thing. That old boy walked into this tribe real good. You dust him up, then I cut him down, just like we do. Bring back to the boss what he wants, Zeke said with a roar. His speciality was homeschooled dissection, and he was one of those guys who loved his work. So that's what this was all about. I'd been made by the boss who sent these losers for me. What the fucking fuck? I was insulted at the very least. So I barged in and emptied a few rounds just to open the bidding. But there was nothing. Not a sound. Nothing moved. Nothing groaned. Nothing cursed. I kept my aim panning the room and flipped on my flashlight empty. No furniture. No bodies. Nothing. Just like before. And no way anybody could have gotten out of here. I looked around for a wire or tape recorder, recording device, anything. The place was clean. I'd forgotten about the kid I was here for, but it was clear there'd never been one. It was a setup. But how? And by who? Then I heard it again. That goddamn music! Right outside the door! I took off my coat and tossed it aside, then opened the door. Dead silence, and nobody there. Then I heard something else. <laughs> Laughter, like it was coming from far away. A kid, the girl maybe, from the elevator. Then I heard the voices. People. 
lots of them talking and laughing. It was coming from everywhere. Like there was a roaring party in every apartment. And the thing was, I could make out some of the voices. Yeah, boss, he's here. In the building someplace. We got him. Don't you worry. Skip Hudson has seen his last sunrise. Said the woman's voice. The voice of the chick who'd hit me up in the bar while slipping the note into my pocket. I opened the door and took aim. There was nobody there. Then... I heard my mom and pop arguing from the next room, and I almost puked. What the fuck was going on here? You should have aborted that little fuck when you had the chance, you stupid bitch. Like we wanted any fucking rugrats spoiling things. My dad was bellowing, and as usual, my mom was just crying. There was no point in going into that room. I knew it would be empty just like the rest. Then I heard the fucking laughter again and the music started in. I walked out into the hall and then I saw her. That kid from the elevator. I got a good look at her this time. In her hands was a music box. She waved to me and I warily started down that hall. I could see her old-fashioned blonde pigtails and fancy dress like kids in those role-playing games get themselves up in. Come on, silly, you haven't got all night, she yelled as she stood there by the open elevator door. I'd passed out of my zone and into my blind animal mode, nothing to lose, so I just broke into a run and barreled down the hall towards the kid, thinking maybe she had some answers. She was, after all, the only person I'd actually seen in this freaking place. She stepped into the elevator and started giggling. I got you, you little brat, I growled under my breath. But when I looked into the elevator, she was gone. But I had seen her. There was nowhere else she could be. Then that crazy racket from that music box of hers wafted through the hall like some noxious mist. I rammed my fists into my ears and roared, but it only got louder. I'm down here, silly. Try, try again, Mr. Skip. Maybe you'll catch me this time. She yelled in that sing-song voice insufferable brats everywhere used to mess with you. And she darted into the room across the hall from 2F. This was some sick shit in play here. Who told the kid my name? Maybe the boss who set this whole thing up, but why? Just do me for fuck's sake if my ticket was pulled. Why the games? Why use a kid? Skip Hudson isn't going crazy for nobody. And he still got around in the old Maxim 9, and he doesn't care who he needs to put down to secure his survival. Jesus, I'm talking to myself in the third person now. I resolved to finish this shit up and stew on the existential BS of it all later. I'm coming, honey. Don't be afraid, I said, trying to sound like a nice guy. What's your name? Mine's Skip. But then, yeah, you already know that. Who told you my name anyway? Who am I? She said, with way more authority than any kid ought to have, as she faced me from the end of the hall, her hands on her hips. 
As I drew closer, I don't know. It was the damnedest thing. She was grinning at me. But it wasn't the grin of any kid I'd ever met. It felt malevolent. I slowed my pace without noticing and just stood there, the hairs on the back of my neck bristling and my palms growing sweaty. Why, I am Victoria, the mistress of this place. What did you expect, silly? This lass was almost growled, like out of the lips of some feral animal. And I just stood there, staring at her. I tried to run, to make myself run for the elevator. Not even sure why, just some visceral response from that part of my brain that didn't see much daylight. <laughs> Come here, Mr. Skip, now! She commanded with a giggle and a snap of her fingers, like I was a damn pooch. But it was anything but cute, and all I wanted to do was run. But all I did was start walking toward her like some puppet on a string. I want you to chase me. Come on. We can play if you want to. I love to play games. I don't get that many visitors. I need to leave. I mumbled like some dickless nerd. But I really did. Fight or flight was way past fight, and I was feeling a whole new set of emotions, starting with panic and then embarrassment as a belly full of hot piss poured down my leg. What the fucking hell was going on here? How did you ever get like this, Mr. Skip? She asked. I tried to think of some comeback, but my tongue had swelled up and all I could do was gag and tremble, being all pissed out. I couldn't move either. I just stood there, praying. Yeah praying that she'd stay down there at her end of the hall. But of course she didn't. She rose up a few inches off the ground and just sort of floated down the hall. Then she lit down in front of me and slipped her hand in the mine. Thing was cold. Not really solid. But it felt real somehow. So you're the wet man. She said, her lips pursed and her eyebrows furrowed like she was trying to figure something out. I wonder. Oh, I see. <laughs> she said, roaring with laughter and pointing at the dark stain running down the front of my pants. I get it. Very funny, Mr. Skip. Whatever is going to happen, I just wish whoever's running this fucking show would bring it on. Oh, very well. Victoria snapped impatiently. I thought we could play some games before it's time for you to go. But I guess not. Okay, as you wish. She said in a very grown-up voice. But you see, Mr. Skip, it's me, Victoria, who is running the show. There's nobody else here but me. And you, for now. But I can see you need a rest before you go on your way. She said, looking up at me. All I could do was stand there, still paralyzed as I was. You see, Mr. Skip, there are lots of bad people in this world, and I don't like bad people. They make me sad. And then they make me very, very mad. And well, 
When I am mad, I'm afraid I can sometimes be a very naughty little girl. And I'm afraid that you, Mr. Skip, are a particularly bad man. Here, take a look, she said, holding up that music box. She opened its lid, and an eerie green glow came out of the thing, and sort of floated in front of my face like one of those genies in a lamp. I couldn't take my eyes off it. I just stood there, staring at that green light, bile and other stuff gurgling up in my throat. I tried to cough, so I wouldn't choke to death, but what the fuck did that matter now? I must have been going nuts because all of a sudden it was like there were pictures in the thing. Not like some movie or iPad. None of that stuff. This was like real miniature people and stuff moving around, staring up at me, screaming, crying. They called my name. They were all dead, white, covered in blood. Fuck you, kid. Make it stop, I roared and almost passed out, except it felt like I was being held up by a giant pair of powerful arms. Not yet, she said calmly. You haven't seen nearly enough. It wouldn't be fair to choose anything so important without seeing everything you've done first, the girl said with that grown-up sounding kid voice. Choose? What the hell are you talking about? What's going on here? You better... Wait, how the fuck... I knew I had to be in some kind of nightmare now. Except at the same time, I knew this was all real. Every last crazy nutso bit of it. I just hadn't figured it out yet. Figured out my angle and the way out of this nuthouse. So what? This kid has picks on some weird gizmo that shows me what I'd done. Every one of them had it coming. And the kids, hell, coming out of parents like they had, they'd all grow up to deserve it sooner or later anyway. It's too bad. It's too bad that you never had any sadness or regret about the Mr. Skip you have become. Things might have worked out very differently for you. She continued. I just stood there. Waiting. Eventually, the kid would get tired of this shit and let me go. Like I always say, it's all business, all the time. Oh, I see. Yes, that's right. It's all business with you, Mr. Skip. I almost forgot. She said like she'd been reading my mind. But now, you've made me very cross. You really have no regrets about the things you've done. The things I've shown you. Just as she said that... Whatever had been holding me in a vice grip let me go, and I staggered, almost fell on my face. Then, like a miracle from another world, I heard a bell ring behind me at the other end of the hall, and I heard the lift doors creak open. I looked at the kid one more time, then I turned and flew like a bat out of hell for that lift, not believing my good fortune. The sound of the music box was still ringing in my ears, but I didn't hear the kid running behind me. I got into the lift and started pounding the one button, 
which was now mysteriously visible and lit up. I staggered against the back of the lift, a cold, nasty sweat running off me like a beat dog. I watched as I came down, down, slowly, way too slowly, edging my way to the lobby. When I hit the first floor, I almost cried out for joy. The lift came to a full stop, but the door didn't open. I repeatedly pushed the button to open the door, and when that failed, I just stood there, beating it with my fists, cursing the thing and sobbing like a gibbering idiot. Then the car rocked again and started to move. But we were going down. The descent was even slower than it had been before. But there was nothing to be done but wait. The elevator door to the basement finally yawned open. Before I could make a run for it, thinking there might be a garage down here, a reeking stench hit my nose and I gagged. Then I saw them. A teeming mass of, I guess they were people, or once had been. Ugly, vile, hideous, lumbering, people-type things shambled toward me. It was like living in a zombie flick on the other side of hell. Hungry eyes were on me, and they started in my direction, like they were going to storm the lift. I felt what had to have been a small foot shove me in the middle of the back and send me flying out into the mass of shuffling things. Bye-bye, Mr. Skip. You'll be right at home now. There are plenty people just like you here. You'll have so much in common. The crowd started grabbing me and clawing at my face with their filthy hands. In the middle of all this, the thing that struck me, the thing that stuck out, was how they were all so oddly dressed. Some wore old-fashioned clothes that were nothing but tatters peeling away. Others wore fashions and fabrics I didn't even recognize. I stopped worrying about all that when I heard another voice clear as a bell rise up from that slobbering throng. It was a man's voice. Please, Victoria! The voice wailed in a cloud of noise that was barely human but seemed to fill up the whole building. I'm sorry, Victoria. Please, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yes, Jefferson, I know. I know all about it. (laughs) Victoria giggled from somewhere. Everywhere. You are indeed a very sorry man. How many times have I told you? Every time I come down here to put something away, I tell you. You are exactly where you belong. All of you are. Last thing I heard was that giggle of hers. (laughs) And that incessant music box. That tune. The song I kind of remembered, but just couldn't quite place.
As you heard at the beginning of the show, we now have a Patreon account for The Lift. And we've just gotten started with this whole process on Patreon, so it's your opportunity to get in early and help support the show. One of the things you guys ask for all the time is more content, more stories, and we'd love to do that for you. Now's your opportunity to help make that happen. If you'd like to support the show, you can head on over to support.victoriaslift.com and click on the Patreon link or the PayPal link. Big thanks to our current supporters, Brian Bristol of the You Are Here podcast, John Grills of the Small Town Horror Podcast, and also Josh Wood and Christopher Nelson. Thanks so much for pledging your support to the show. It means a lot to us to know that you guys really love the show enough to help support what we're creating. Another way you can support the show is by taking the time to rate and review the show in iTunes. Those five-star ratings keep coming in, and we really appreciate you guys taking the time to do that. It does help other people find the show. First, we had a review from Tom Robinson's Apple Tree. A strange arrangement. This show is everything I was looking for in an audio drama. Solid storytelling, appropriate sound effects, beautifully executed ambiance that seems to drive the scene effortlessly. It's easy to get lost in the story, experience the character's pain, sadness, or acceptance. I'm stuck on the lift. Well, thanks so much for that. We're glad to have you. From, I'm going to pronounce this terribly, Melusine777. Well-crafted, original, delightful, creepy storytelling. I've just started listening to the lift, and I can't get enough. The writing and narration are top-notch. The sound design is wonderfully creepy without being over the top. I love the world that those standalone episodes all exist in. Victoria's world. That's awesome. Thanks so much for that. Another one that I'm going to struggle to pronounce, Elredian. E-L-R-E-D-I-E-N. Not sure how to say it. I'm sorry. Creepy and adorable. The stories in this podcast are great. I feel some are a bit short sometimes, like they need a bit more, but that could be because I get so involved, I want to know more about the characters and how can you not? Victoria is great, her laugh is creepy and adorable, and probably the most important and different plot device I've seen in a while. Always looking forward to the next episode. Thanks so much for that. What a great compliment to know that you love the stories enough that you want more. As support for the show grows on Patreon, it's one of the things that we want to look at is adding additional story content for you. For now, I'm just thrilled that you guys are excited about the show and keep tuning in. Today's episode featured a story by Aaron Vleck, the wet man. If you'd like more information on Aaron and her work, please check out the show notes for today's episode. Artwork for today's show was created by Alex J. Murd. If you'd like more information on Alex and her work, please visit her website at crazedpixel.com or follow her on Twitter at crazedpixel. This episode of The Lift was scored by Nico Viteze of We Talk of Dreams. Today's narrator was Daniel Foytek. That's me. For this episode, we were honored to have two guest voice artists. The voice of Zeke was performed by Jacob Labah, and the voice of Sultry Bar Assassin was performed by Samantha Pleasant Labah. If you want to check out them, you can find them over at the Just a Story podcast and the Audio Dime Museum podcast. You can also find them on Twitter at Just a Story Pod. Links to their shows are included in today's show notes. Full show notes with links and artwork can be found at victoriaslift.com, S1E18. And now, Victoria. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Lift. Please help others find our little lost place 
Share the show and help us grow. It's easy to retweet, repost and share the show. The best support you can give us is to rate us in iTunes. Find us at itunes.victoriaslift.com Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play or TuneIn Radio. You can also listen at victoriaslift.com or at Society13. Follow the show on Twitter at Victoria's Lift and find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Victoria's Lift. The Lift opening theme music was composed and recorded by Kimberly Henninger and Sean Park of Cathedral Sounds. The Lift closing theme music was composed and recorded by Miko Vitezi of We Talk of Dreams. For more information on any incidental music in this episode, please check the show notes at victoriaslift.com for titles and credits. The voice of Victoria Bigglesworth-Hayes was performed by Amber Collins. Creator and producer, Daniel Vortex. Executive producer and co-creator, Cynthia Lawman. Music director, Nico Vitezi. Art director, Stephen Matito. All characters and works read in this audio recording and associated music and artwork are copyright of STRY Radio and may not be used in any form without permission. The Lift is an STRY Radio and Night Story Studios production. Six savage seasons all in a row. Six scary seasons for the beast to grow. Six wicked seasons to keep you up all night. Six nasty reasons for your wicked delight. Six wicked seasons that you thought was scary. Wait till season seven of the Wicked Library. September 2016. Visit thewickedlibrary.com. From Society 13. Redefining podcasts. <laughs>